there's so many resources and there's great documentation on all of it. But really for me, it started with being curious, you know, what, what can I learn from this? I mean, if, if Netflix and Google and all these other companies can use it, what's different from the AEC front? That was a small snippet from our guest for today, Dalton Goodwin, who is a BIM coordinator at DLR Group and a data enthusiast. So this is again an architect slash BIM slash awesome episode. Let's go. You're about to enter the Akyang Podcast. Akyang Podcast. India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together, we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome back to yet another episode of the Ark Gyan podcast, where you'll get some awesome Gyan slash knowledge on architecture, tech, design, and everything related to architecture, which is pretty much everything. In this episode, I'm super stoked to have with us Dalton Goodwin, all the way from Kansas, USA. So he presently works as a BIM coordinator at DLR Group, which is a reputed large architecture and engineering firm with their offices based all around the world. Dalton is also a data enthusiast and he's always found learning, tinkering or doing something related to machine learning, data science, AI and anything related to coding during his free time. So in this episode, Dalton talks about his journey and how he got into the AEC industry, how the DLR group made a smooth transition to working remotely during the pandemic, machine learning and its relation to architecture, his YouTube channel called the BIM Coordinator, the power of data and jobs getting automated, AI in construction, why AEC industry is going to be the coolest industry going forward, and hiring data scientists in AZ firms and loads loads more. Do check out Dalton's YouTube channel called the BIM Coordinator which would be part of the show notes at arkgyan.com slash 47. Let's jump straight to the episode. This is Machine Learning in the AEC Industry with Dalton Goodwin. Let's go. So I, uh, um, I got into uh, the world of BIM kind of on accident. I, I, you know, I, I didn't really know anything about construction or, or architecture or engineering. And, um, but I just knew I wanted to do something else. Um, I kind of had a goal of doing something in construction or whatnot. I, you know, had been working in manufacturing for a couple of years, but went into a college and, um, I think they had some post postings um, of just different CAD openings just right. uh, in the area. And it, I was like, well, that looks really cool. I, I, I'll see, you know, see what that's about. And um, uh, so I, I did. Uh, and I, I, I kept looking at it and thought, okay, this would, you know, doing that would allow me to maybe be a little bit more flexible with my schedule, I could potentially work from home, which, you know, in the, in these circumstances has worked out really well. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I, you know, 
the first few classes I, you know, started to go, uh, it uh, was, it, it was really cool. Cause I loved it. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, people get to do this all the time. <laughs> nice. I'm like, and um, um, ever since then it's, it's just grown exponentially for me. I, I I've tried to, um, you know, uh, network with many people, learn as much as I can all the time. Mm. And, um, and then I think while I was in school, I got a CAD drafting position. And then um, I was lucky enough that right after I graduated that I was able to get a BIM lead role, um, nice. which essentially was a BIM coordination role um, with a little bit uh, some model or like BIM technician type stuff. Um, but I was, I landed on a few large projects and from there, you know, uh, was kind of throw, throw, thrown, you know, straight into it. And there was a lot of things I had to, had to learn, but, um, uh, from there it's been, you know, nonstop. So, um, and then it wasn't until I left that position, uh, to work at a, it was kind of a smaller firm and it wasn't uh, multi I, or it was multidiscipline, but it wasn't, uh, didn't have a construction side to it. But um, I worked with one of my mentors, uh, Bill Carney, and mm-hmm. he was, um, I mean, he's a big advocate for technology. And um, I started to pick up, uh, I, I kind of was messing with Python a little bit. I started to pick it up more at that position and started to dive more into uh, uh, machine learning more or less like it, it, I knew I wanted to do something with data it's just like but I wanted to do something more than um, what I saw some of the other folks doing just something different and then machine learning kind of showed up on my radar and I'm like oh, okay this is it seems like you know it has incredible benefits to our industry I mean as much data as we generate every day there's got to be you know some great uh, insights we can learn from our uh data, uh, things that we could do better, um, you know, through learning through the data. And so um, I just start kind of started down that journey. And that was about a about a year ago, or so. So that's kind of how I got into to to BIM and, and, and machine learning. So. All right. So my question to you was, uh, you know, like, coming from a background, which is not uh, related to construction, how overwhelming was it uh, working with uh, guys who, you know, professionals or architects in the field? Yeah, um, so it was quite, quite a bit overwhelming. Um, just because I, I mean, I, I went, I, uh, the college I went to was, um, um, we, it was just a two-year program and it was accelerated. So I, I had, you know, the, uh, the foundational BIM tools and I knew how to use them, but, um, the, uh, you know, when it come, it came to like working directly with ar- architects and, and their specific issues, sometimes that would be overwhelming. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of what I had, you know, had to do and still have to do is just, you know, ask questions and, and try my best to, to troubleshoot things. You know, you become good at, um, Googling things or knowing what to search for and find, um, and that that process gets easier, but um, you know, I would say that I was quite a bit overwhelmed because it was a the firm. One of the first projects I got on was uh, a multidiscipline. Um, it, you know, it was fully integrated. Um, 
and uh, uh, we were also doing the uh, construction management for the project. So um, there was a lot of moving pieces mm -hmm. and being, you know, like one of the only BIM people on that project, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot. And, um, but I learned so much doing it and, and um, you just have to be open and, 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 and communicate with folks and, and kind of get, you know, uh, tell them, you know, where, you know, what it is that you need to know, or if you need help, you need to, you know, be able to reach out to people. Luckily, I had a good mentor um, while I was working there that kind of helped me through a lot of those things that I had troubles with, or I didn't exactly know what to do. Right. And were you part of uh, the architecture side of things, or was it like a mix of, uh, you know, structure, plumbing? Or yeah, so my first goal was to uh um i just in school i knew i wanted to kind of focus on bim and i wanted to know uh holistically how everything tied together right. so i um and part of my program was like it was like a bim cad type program and we focused on like um, a variety of different you know uh, MEPs, the mechanical electrical everything and um i knew i wanted to see how everything came together from you know a high level so um, my first goal was to go, uh, you know, apply for or work for a multidiscipline, you know, in, in some some integrated firm. Uh, and luckily, I, I started right out of school, um, and they they did they did everything architecture. They were a big E firm. Um, they had more right. engineers than anything, um, but we also had structural engineers, and then we also had the construction management side. So I learned so much from that because you know I got to see from you know, concept to essentially a built building. I mean, we worked through um, the construction process, you know, process. Uh, and so, and that's pretty much the only firms I've been at. Um, the, the, I've, I've, uh, the, you know, the firm that I currently work at, they don't have a construction side, but they are um, a multidiscipline firm. So we have almost every discipline. All right, great. And uh, tell us more about how you started this uh, YouTube channel called the BIM Coordinator and what made you decide to, you know, share your knowledge. Yeah, um, so it kind of started in school and I, I, I knew I wanted to learn as much as I could about the tools. And so I, I thought, okay, well, if I created a channel, I could at least share you know, some of the information that I do learn, but also it would help me in becoming maybe a better presenter. Um, Cause I would have to somewhat think about the process of um, how to do something if I'm going to record it and share it. Um, so it started there uh, and it's, you know, even now it's still, it's still, I'm still working on those skills. I mean, I don't actually spend a lot of time prepping any of them. Um, it's more or less like, um, I'm working through the day and somebody asks, you know, me some very unique question. I'm like, Oh, okay, right. that would be cool to, to share. And so nice. I would, um, almost record it on the spot. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, I use it to, to help me learn, um, to become a better presenter on those tools, a better teacher, and then also to hopefully help some folks out. Um, you know, if they, you know, if they're troubleshooting, they could, you know, hopefully they end on one of my videos that answers uh, their questions or, or whatnot. So. And also you can use it as a reference to go back to it, right? In case you forget stuff and all that. 
Yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, I, um, 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 oh, I did a video on that. I need to watch my own video. Yeah. I mean, that's happened a few times. So. All right. Great. Uh, could you briefly tell us about, you know, what the role of a BIM coordinator entails and what are the different uh, job roles or scope of work that you uh, do on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so my position is kind of different than maybe a typical BIM coordinator because I, I kind of take care of um, the Southeast region for the firm and that's about six offices. And so I don't get in the, uh, you know, necessarily the day-to-day -day stuff, uh, um, you know, the day-to-day -day BIM stuff. I'm, you know, more or less, uh, you know, I, I'll support BIM kickoffs. Um, you know, uh, uh, cleaning out the process, um, outlining some of that stuff, um, trying to find better ways to implement technology. Um, and sometimes that just starts with a conversation. So like, hey, you know, we could do that with Dynamo. That, you know, that would be a really easy thing to do and you'll save, you know, tons of hours. Um, and then from there, it's proactively monitoring the project through some of the tools that we have of just extracting the data um, and then from there, we can, you know, somewhat understand if there's potential issues where we need to step in or whatnot. Um, so, uh, and then from there, you know, trainings and whatnot, if, if team members need trainings or if, if we do identify that there's bad modeling practices or something, you know, we either we either leverage some of the training resources we have or we um, do those over the shoulder one-on-one -on -one trainings with folks. Um, but, uh, you know, monitoring BIMX plans, uh, things like that, you know, even, you know, during the BIMX plan, we may set up like uh, um, uh, Navisworks or we'll plan out some stuff for doing clash detection or some type of process. And so some of those things fall on, on my head to do. Um, and, but for the most part, we're almost like a technology safety net for the team. So we're there for support. Um, if they have questions, if they have specific BIM related things, we're there for support for the team. Um, well, you know, ultimately that's kind of what we're there for. So. All right. And, um, how are you guys coping during this pandemic, you know, working from home and uh, still managing to get stuff done? Yeah, so it was crazy at, at, uh, at first. And uh, we worked quite a bit uh, the first week when, you know, um, everybody was, you know, uh, being recommended to work from home. And um, we were lucky enough to have a really great technology team. And we all focused uh, really heavily on making sure that everybody within the firm can work from home with limited issues. Um, and a big, uh, um, a big uh, process for us was getting all the, all the projects that weren't already on BIM 360 migrated to BIM 360. Right. Right. Um, and we had, we have hundreds of projects. So oh, wow. um, it's a, uh, it, it was a, it was a long um, process, but it, we were able to get everything practically moved. And now, you know, folks have almost no issues working from home. So um, it's, it's been actually really good. Uh, we've had a lot of good comments come back to us about um, 
how well the technology is working from home. In some instances, they say it works better from home. So that's, oh, nice. that's really good. Um, yeah, but it's, it's actually went really well. So. And do you feel that uh, your company would make you guys work from home for the rest of, uh, even after the pandemic is done? Um, I would imagine there, they'll be a little bit more flexible with it. Um, uh, I, I see that as happening. I mean, especially now, I mean, it, it forced us into that situation, but I'm sure a lot of folks have seen the benefits in having the ability to work from home now. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing is having good internet and a really good system, right? Yeah. Some folks, uh, <laughs> Because there's a there's a few people that um, that's not the case, and yeah, I mean it's, that, that's a huge headache, you know, for them. Where the, when you're on a call and it's cutting out every second, and they can't get into Revit, but but yeah, I mean that that'll probably be the, the number one thing. All right, and uh, could you briefly tell us about you know take one project and what's the BIM cycle of that project like, like from the you know conceptual stage till the completion of the project and also facilities management after that? Yeah. Um, so for, for me, BIM kind of starts off, or where the project starts off with the BIM execution plan. Right. And then um, we plan and identify tech and dates and stuff for different things, work through um, schematic design, DDs and CDs and then, um we'll have a uh you know we'll work through the C C A phase as well and I'll um you know I'll be a a support person during um that cycle. Uh and then you know we'll we'll do the BIM setup, you know, project our Revit models and whatnot. Uh you know, but more or less it's just you know I'm monitoring from a high level. Um nice finding ways to, to better integrate technology. And then when it gets to facility management, um, we have some, some um, projects where we're actually building some of the, the FM portions of it. And uh, what's cool is there's a lot of data within that yeah. uh, that we can learn um, from how people use a building, how people um, operate that building and then you know we can take that information and then hopefully learn on how to make better buildings more exactly. optimized buildings um but yeah i mean for me it's you know it starts at that it starts at schematic or, or whatever phase i mean it's it's you know when when do they need support and and, and whatnot some teams need more of it um some need somewhat less but um, for me, you know, BIM's always there. Uh, we leverage Revit from, from the, you know, straight out of the gate. We're, nice. we're you know, using Revit. And uh, we use Revit, I think, on every single project that we have. Um, there are some teams that do use CAD, uh, but they're migrating over. So, you know, right off the bat, you know, we're supporting those efforts, um, building templates, optimizing the workflows and stuff. So, Awesome. And in a way, you're also uh, figuring out where you could improve the efficiency by leveraging Dynamo or Python and uh, create a system which is, you know, make it faster to get the project done or the documentation done, right? Yeah. And uh, what's cool is uh, with Dynamo, it's, it's like um, sometimes it's just during a conversation with somebody, you, you identify something that could potentially be automated in some way. 
or with it, what's really cool with Python is that it, it essentially can do anything. You know, we can automate a lot of things outside of outside of uh, um, you know Revit itself. And what's neat is um, you know there's a ton of different tools out there that that help with that um, that stuff. But yeah, I mean it starts with a conversation, and then we we you know we look at it and like okay, well this this thing you know this process that you guys do on every project could you know potentially be automated um you know and you know we quantify those numbers and we see how much time we save but yeah so all right and you know uh, getting into the space uh, the transition is like from cad to revit then python dynamo and now you do it like uh, a transition to something bigger you know like machine learning and i don't know even eventually ai so how's steep has the learning curve been for you after you got into this field? Oh, um, well, I mean, the field in itself, BIM, is there, there's a lot of things involved. Um, and I've tried to specialize in certain things, you know, really focus on like uh, uh, Revit and Aversworks, Bluebeam and Python um, and Dynamo. Really focus on those tools. Um, and even in those, you know, I try to focus more on Python and um, uh, Dynamo and, and Revit, uh, but because there's just so much capabilities within those tools and to really leverage them, you have to understand how to use them. And so um, it's been a long journey on trying to um, um, truly learn them. And I, I still am. Um, there's a lot of stuff I, I don't know, uh, especially with machine learning. Because mm-hmm. uh, machine learning in itself sometimes I think is oversimplified from folks that are looking from the outside in. And um, machine learning is an incredibly complex field. And it's not just a subset of like AI, um, but it's a, it, it's a, it, it reaches into almost every other subset of AI, robotics, everything. I mean, yeah. everything that AI has to offer, ML almost plays a role, some, some type of role in, in that. So it's, it's incredibly vast. Um, um, and so what I've tried to do is at least if I'm leveraging ML, to focus in on, on um, you know, leveraging it with AEC, starting small, you know, looking at linear regression, um, leveraging that just to predict small things like, um, you know, uh, square footage to profitability, stuff like that, just to just start to, to see um, uh, the power of it. And then hopefully from there, it'll grow um, into eventually, um, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, we could build you know build buildings at least a, a lot quicker um you know re- almost recommending us you know specific things um so but yeah yeah definitely i feel like machine learning would definitely get integrated with the industry like for example now uh, revit 2021 came out with an option for generative design right yeah. so um i feel like in the future they would eventually have a tool for machine learning as well or a plugin. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would imagine um, a lot of those. I guess it all depends on what Autodesk is tracking or whatnot. But um, you know, machine learning is just—it's—it's it's taking statistics, applying it to to data with a computer, pretty much, yeah. and 
it's really the you know everything that we do is a is a data point and generative design and, and whatnot isn't any different i mean if we can understand if we if anything start to leverage generative design and start to look at um uh the you know what what is it that we choose and don't choose i mean that that in itself is is another data point that we can start to learn um so i would imagine yeah that that ml will start to be more integrated into um, a lot of the platforms that we use. Yeah. And machine learning as a term sounds very cool, right? But um, how do you actually leverage it? What are the different tools or like, how do you bring it into the industry? Like what are the steps to get into the space? Yeah. So the cool thing is, is there's a lot of open source tools like uh, Python. Um, yeah. Some of the libraries within Python is like a Psychic Learn. That's that's primarily the one I I use. And then there's Pandas and NumPy, which are some um, some of the more common uh, libraries. But um, a lot of those are open source. I mean, anybody can jump into them and start using them. Um, there's a ton of uh, resources out there, free and paid. Um, and you know, you can just, I mean, you, if you just search machine learning uh, um, um, course or something, you'll, you'll find it. Machine learning Python. I mean, there's so many resources and there's great documentation on all of it. But really, for me, it started with being curious. You know, what, what can I learn from this? I mean, if, if Netflix and Google and all these other companies can use it, what's different from the AEC front? You know, can we use it to, to make better decisions, um, um, you know, in our day-to-day uh, roles, but, um, and so it starts with there and then, and then, you know, one really great tool that I, that I think is, um, is anybody that's interested in getting into ML, um, and, um, wants to just play around with it, uh, Microsoft Azure Machine Learning Studio, right. which is just, it's, it's, it's pretty much like, uh, Dynamo in the way, well, the interface is somewhat uh, alike. I mean, you're messing with nodes, you're plugging stuff in, and then you're kind of um, testing it out and seeing it from there. And then if you want to drill down into it a little bit further into some of the other um, uh, meta parameters or whatnot that M- some ML models have, then Python might be a, a route. But um, to at least get you know your feet wet with it, then uh, uh, Microsoft Azure ML is, it's an awesome tool. I mean, it, it allows you to just kind of, um, test out different, different processes. And what's cool is you can also host it on the websites and then, um, um, and then leverage it that way and then have people input things and then see an output, which is really cool. Nice. And yeah, and you've created a LinkedIn article called the ultimate resource, right? For data and, uh, uh, Dalton's ultimate resource where you share like a bunch of tutorials and uh, websites. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty useful as well. Yeah. And I've been trying to focus more on my YouTube channel on machine learning stuff and data in, in general. Um, just, you know, how can we learn from it and, and the different things that we can do. So there's definitely going to be more of that happening. And then that article you referenced, um, yeah, it has a ton of different stuff, uh, some really great resources for anybody that's interested in ML, um, you know, folks that can teach it a lot better than I can. Um, so, I, yeah, I definitely recommend anybody um, to check that out. Yeah, have you completed, like, all those courses mentioned there? Because, like, it's quite a lot, right? 
Uh, yeah, I um, I think I completed. Uh, uh, I I haven't looked at the list since, but I know I've completed. Um, because I think I mentioned I was working on a few of them, and I, I think I'm completed those. Um, but some of the books, like the hundred page machine learning book, yeah, it's uh, that one. I'm still I, I'm still going through it. I, it's more or less I I use it as a reference, but um, I don't know. I get so fascinated with learning new things and, and new technologies and I'll um I'll see a new course I'm like oh man I need to do this and then I, I kind of go down that route but um I always try to refocus and and um um so uh, since then though I have done a lot more uh I've watched a lot more so I'll probably be updating that article at some point so right great and um could you give us any examples of you know how uh the a uh, how your company, for example, is leveraging uh, machine learning or other companies are leveraging machine learning in the AC industry? Yeah, so our company is kind of limited in it. I know Bechtel uh, is using um, machine learning on some of their projects just to learn. Uh, and I think they're more or less a construction company. Um, but to learn where some of the uh, more high risk areas are. I mean, they can take the data points and learn from that. And then, um, you know, there's plenty of companies uh, that are doing things like that, more or less some of the larger folks that can invest in, in those type of uh, resources. But we, uh, what's cool is the firm that I work at has been, um, I mean, they, we see the power of data. Um, now, I wouldn't say that we're leveraging machine learning um, yet, but uh, we're really working on trying to consolidate all the data across every platform into one location. And from there, we can start to pull from it, at least start to, you know, first step, create some dashboards and whatnot, and then migrate to, um, you know, pre predictive analytics and, and really learning from that information through machine learning. But um, so we're, we haven't fully, we're not fully leveraging it, but um, there are some cool companies out there like Alice AI, which, you know, is a simulation platform. There's Dynamo or the, um, so, uh, what is it? Um, the source, uh, um, uh, extension for Dynamo, which uses, I think a classification model, right. um, to, to help predict nodes and stuff. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool things out there. Um, you know, there's image recognition stuff, uh, uh, that a lot of construction firms use. So, I mean, it's growing. Um, there's some robotic companies like the brick laying machine. I mean, robotics in itself is, is a subset of, of um, um, AI, but and I would imagine they're using some type of machine learning in their process, but yeah. Nice. And uh, do you feel like, you know, um, we do a lot of uh, documentation and drafting uh, with a lot of clicks and do you feel that with machine learning, it could study the way you draft stuff and then eventually create or automate it at a later date like as a potential? Yeah, I, I, I think it could. I mean, um, you know, why not? Because like uh, if we can, as humans, learn something, you know, in that in, in that way, sometimes like we can watch somebody, you know, do picks and clicks and then. Um, we can learn from that process. I mean, all of that's information. Um, it may be uh, a little bit harder to do in some, you know, some instances, but, you know, if we can understand what it is somebody's doing, then, and then have 
a database of almost um, other possibilities or processes and then it, it identifies where things can tie into or like, hey, this process can be automated. I mean, I do that on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, I'll see somebody doing something that's incredibly tedious. Um, and so I'll step in and say, hey, we could maybe use Dynamo to do this. Um, or, hey, you know, we have this add-in that pretty much does that for you. Um, so it's all data points. And I would imagine ML could learn from that and then apply those processes or, or, or recommend certain things to folks, um, you know, before I even have to step in or, or you know, before I even see that process. So. Yeah, but uh, don't you feel that a lot of people would start losing jobs because their work gets automated? I don't know. I, um, I, I mean, in every, in most cases, you know, every huge evolution of, you know, mm. with technology, folks have gotten, you know, I mean, gotten better, you know, there's been more jobs created, but I don't know, with machine learning, if it's optimized to the level, I mean, I would imagine if we get to something like general intelligence, then, uh, uh, then I, you know, I would think a lot of jobs would be automated. Yeah. Uh, but um, I mean, I, I feel like that's quite a ways off. Um, I mean, currently, it's just, it's, 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 we're leveraging it to essentially make better decisions, um, um, be better uh, architects or engineers or BIM coordinators, um, identify issues before they happen, um, stream, streamline that effort. Um, I'm, but uh, I mean, if, if anything, there's a, there is a shortage in the AEC world. Of exactly. Yeah. So um, it, it'll fill those gaps in. So. Yeah, and when you compare the AC industry to other industries like the airlines or uh, even for cars, right? We're not being as innovative as them and only now are we seeing a steep incline in terms of innovation, right? Yeah, it's um, it's pretty bad in, in comparison um, to some of those. I mean, I worked in manufacturing for a couple of years. I mean, we were leveraging. I mean, we it was it, it was a transition for me to move from that into to to the AE world because um, in there everything was planned. I mean, you knew what your profits were and what your you know uh, threshold for error was. I mean, you knew those numbers. Um, you knew what the typical downtime was because those are all data points. Um, you knew what um, you knew the process. But what was neat was the company I worked for was always. You know, it, they were they were big on optimizing that process as much as possible. So if there was ever a way to make it better, they were open to ideas. But um, you know, robotics were being leveraged in there. But in those those things are you know that's easier to an extent. Uh, construction is so complex because you know every every site every project is different almost um so you know for a robot or um or something to to learn how um, projects come together is really hard because it's not necessarily a controlled project you know it's not controlled the environment's not controlled the cool thing is, is there's a lot of folks working on um technologies like that that can work um close to humans um, in the way uh, uh, that it, you know, doesn't need sensors. It has just uh, pressure sensors or whatnot um, that it, um, um, 
if it hits anybody, it kind of shuts off. There's some cool things that people are building to um, hopefully be used on job sites. But I mean, I see a future where we're using uh, like a job sites almost, you know, it's, I think there's a manufacturing practice like lights out manufacturing where right. essentially the entire facility is ran by robots. Um, I almost see construction, construction moving that way. Um, I mean, it's a cross between, I guess, um, um, prefab and then on site, but mm. I would imagine, you know, it'll get to a point where we can build it. I mean, that's quite a ways away, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like 20, 30 years back, uh, people used to say that uh, this technology would never happen. And now it's already there, right? So we don't know what's going to happen like 10, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, my mindset on it is that anything's possible. I yeah. mean, anything. Like there isn't an, an, and nothing that is impossible. It just, it, it's, you know, sometimes it's just a little bit further out there than maybe what's practical. But, you know, almost anything's possible. So. Yeah, it would be cool to you see uh, AGI before uh, our lifetimes, right? That would be like ultimate. Yeah, I, I I would be super excited to see that. I mean, I I don't know what the outcomes would be. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say, but um, it, it would be interesting uh, to definitely. So um, I'm hoping uh, it doesn't uh, turn into the Terminator or anything. But um, you know, there's a lot of different theories, but I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm hoping that we'll see something. I think, uh, what is it? Ray Kurzweil, um, predicted 20, uh, uh, 2050 or 2040. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Probably live like the Jetsons as well. <laughs> yeah. Just press <laughs> the button every day. <laughs> All right. My job's done. <laughs> but, uh, in a way that's also like, uh, I mean, philosophically you know like you distancing yourself from earth and uh, the natural mat- materials like you're more in a box uh, architecture can have an influence on how you live right so uh, i don't know if you're going to live in boxes or is it going to be more of uh, you know fluidic forms or i don't know how it is going to be in the future I, to me i i feel like if we have all this data, I mean, the whole idea is that it's going to be optimized for humans and we don't necessarily, um, uh, you know, at least personally for me, I don't, you know, like living in a, in a box or, or some of those, you know, confi- like a, like what a robot would probably be stored in or something. But, um, but if anything, all the data points that we get, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, there's a lot of a lot of nuanced things to this because it's like, you know, at what point are you kind of stepping over, you know, and getting invasive with the data that you're tracking? But um, in a, I, I think it's interesting to think about, if anything, that if we can track everything, I mean, how somebody moves through a space, how do they use that space? Um, are they truly, you know, if it's a learning space, are they truly learning in that area are they um you know what is the is there is their mood changing when they walk into specific rooms is it because of the color of the room or the shape um you know start to learn from that and then tweak design i mean you can almost have a optimized design for that you know if it's your home and optimized yeah. design for you um but again you know that 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 level of data um would be 
I don't know, to me, incredibly invasive. I, I wouldn't want yeah. something tracking at that level. But then again, you think of Facebook. I mean, it understands, I mean, a lot about how an individual thinks, um, you know, from the what they post. And so there's, you know, um, so it'll be interesting to see how architecture evolves. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely. Like we have this upper hand of thinking abstractly and, um, you know, uh, I mean, we don't have like a set of data, right? We process things as it comes. So it's going to be interesting, like how uh, technology is going to make sense of data and whether it can also start thinking abstractly in the future. Yeah. Yeah, because even, I mean, even, I think they've had um, some um, uh, some ro- robots with a little bit of machine learning integrated with them uh, uh, for looking at a, a set of like paintings. So I have a whole data set of paintings. And then from those paintings, it learns to um, paint on its, you know, it, it learns to uniquely paint images, but yet it's still leveraging data. And I think it's still controlled in some, um, some type of fashion, but I guess it's not much different than like how humans, you know, work. I mean, we learn from past experiences and then from there, we, we grow those into to other um, experiences and stuff. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it actually depends on how big the canvas is. Uh, like, for example, uh, Go Chess, I, I think AI Go, I'm not really sure what the name is, where it uh, learned by, you know, practicing Go from scratch. And then it got better and better and better till it eventually mastered it and then beat the grandmasters or the best in the best right well that's like um oh what is that uh, s- uh semi-supervised learning or uh, i can't remember the exact term but um um but it'll it'll learn through feedback and stuff when it's going through an issue and then continuously get better at it yeah. uh which is so fascinating um I haven't had a chance to really dive into that kind of stuff, but to be able to learn, you know, go through a process, learn from that process and then progressively get better at it. Um, it's, it's really interesting. I, because I mean, there's just so many things I think that could be applied to. So, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But those are sort of far fetched, but what I see in the coming few, I think it's already out there where you can control the, your house with a Revit model, like a complete, uh, you know, level three model where you can like press buttons in your Revit model and goes off in the real world, right? Oh, like click a button and then it it uh, creates the entire house. Yeah, like switch on and, lights and uh, oh, so, oh, okay, so like a facility. So it's it's just managing all the different uh, exactly IoT devices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I. I that's definitely possible because I think that's, you know, that's kind of what we do with facility management. I mean, we can track all the information. So from there, it's just, you know, if, if it's tying it into BIM 360 um, ops or, or I think Dashers, uh, a facility, I mean, I, I'm not sure, but um, I mean, that's all information. That's all IOT devices. So yeah, I mean, you can tie and learn from what's cool from uh, what I think is that we could learn from that information. So um, you know, how are people using a space and stuff? I mean, like it, one cool thing is like, if you set up a sensor inside of, um, a conference room, I mean, just, you know, it, or um, use the lights or whatever, um, are people using these spaces or like, you know, yeah. if, if you do have lights in it, 
you know, are people turning the lights on when they use these spaces or, or what's the heat in here? So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, you know, I've tried to think about that because um, I have some, some um, Arduino um, IoT device things, uh, different sensors and stuff. And, you know, if I could tie them up uh, around my house and try to optimize my day, that would be kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I feel technology is like a uh, part of the answer towards sustainability. Um, where you know, like even uh, where you build a BIM model, you have like multiple BIM, mo- BIM models, and then you can it helps uh, to monitor a smart city or like you know uh, make decisions which would affect the cities, which would make it more efficient, which would make it more sustainable, right? Yeah, I would think, and I think there's some some tools out there. Um, if it was Autodesk Insight or whatnot, that may recommend uh, different different uh, um, systems or different things to, to help optimize a building. Um, so some of those things are out there. I'm sure there's a lot more that I'm not thinking about. And then when it comes to construction sites, it's like planning a project. If we can use AI or ML, it's a better plan project. Or so, yeah, I mean, same thing when it comes to like selecting resources or, or like planning out um, um, the construction of a project. Um, and that's where I think, I mean, that, could be a combination of ML and just a database of recommending different things. I mean, it could be that when you place a wall or, I mean, here's a building, maybe we need to reorient orient it on a site to, to get better sunlight or, or different things like that. Um, some of that's just information and, and it could be store. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure Autodesk Insight does some stuff like that. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's somewhat of the goal is to be able to make better decisions, be more lean, um, more yeah. efficient. And then, you know, that, um, um, you know, ultimately, hopefully um, just become, you know, the architecture industry. Cause I think construction and architecture or construction in itself, I mean, it weighs so much. It, I mean, it wastes a huge portion of materials. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of things involved. And if you can, really optimize that process i mean really make it lean i mean you can definitely um you know impact like uh you know pollution and stuff i mean you could reduce it by quite a bit yeah and hopefully there would be a larger influx of uh, data science geeks and those machine learning experts into our industry right yeah and what's so cool is our industry is like uh, merging and i've thought about this for a while because you know when i first got into or my, my first job out of school i had already been messing with uh, a, a game engine i'm like well you know and now that's a huge thing everybody's yeah. you know a, a twin motion which is i think built on top of Un- unreal. unreal um you know and, and now it's like we have architects um i mean um you know uh architects has been in the field for 10, 15 years that are learning unity. And this is like, oh, yeah. you know, and, and same for like machine learning and data science. We're actually looking at um, hiring uh, a data scientist for, um, for the firm I work for. And, um, you know, so that we can, you know, leverage that industry. And there's so, I mean, I'm, it's funny because we have an entire group within the firm I work for of, uh, uh, um, a power bi specialists or people right. that are really interested in data so you see a merging of that um there's just so there's just so many different things merging into one another or or we're just starting to adopt some of those practices so 
it's really interesting yeah and especially like uh, i don't ne- necessarily think that you know a lot of architects right now i think most of the people who work in these firms or the bim scene are architects and uh, consultants but like in my previous episode i had a game developer who gone to bim i'm sure like a lot of people from other industries would get into this space yeah i mean i think so i mean you don't unlike architecture you don't need like a um you know a four year degree and to continue you know um you know or the, a license or anything like that so you don't need um some of those things so um those are are barriers into getting into the space i mean if you want to leverage bim um i mean you could if you have a passion and you just want to learn then then yeah i mean i would imagine that there's we're going to get a so many different people especially i mean to me bim is really cool and if we could get the information out there more and more folks will see the you know like this is a really cool industry to get into I mean, yeah. there's so many things you can do you know you're not you're not you know you're not stuck doing the same thing you learn i mean every project's different every possibility is different it's you know there's just so many things yeah and as an architect uh, it's scary but also exciting at the same time yeah i i think some are more scared than others and then you know some are incredibly excited and and are are on the the forefront of of technology i mean there's just so i mean they see we're starting to see the benefit of it i mean if anything you could look at it like we haven't excelled you know in comparison to those other industries um when it comes to efficiency so you know in some senses we need to make up for that so you know it's just a natural thing to to you know um to progress and grow um and you know to look at new ways of of doing things there's you know nothing wrong with that and some folks are just a little bit you know a little bit uh, uh more scared of yeah. doing those things so and that's the cool thing part of my job from the technology side and is you know and, and the team I work for is that um you know, we, we have to be good, somewhat of, of, of good people, you know, we have to be good with people and we have to, um, you know, we have to try to understand where they're coming from, understand their specific issues. Um, so that when we try to integrate a technology or we bring a new technology on board, we say, okay, well, these are the benefits. These are the things, Hey, I, you know, I know you have these issues and these are some of the things that you could do to, um, you know, to, to make your day a little bit easier. Um, it's just really understanding what truly is their problems and then trying to uh, leverage technology in that way. I mean, you have to know how to communicate with those folks. And sometimes it, it takes longer um, to get people on board. But um, I, I would say a lot of, I mean, I mean, even if you're, I mean, it, it BIM, like BIM coordination, I'm working on projects. I'm talking with the folks um, that are doing these projects day to day, you know, the day to day work. So it's like, what are your problems? I mean, just when you know that you, you're there to support, um, you know, you can, um, you know, they're more open and and stuff. So, but ultimately, you just have to be good at communicating. So, yeah, and I feel like uh, the bigger firms have the upper hand, and uh, you know, unless you don't innovate and grow, you're going to die off uh, in a couple of years, right? Yeah, I've heard that, uh, you know, quite a bit. Um, and I- I'm sure, 
I, it's hard to, to say. Um, I'm not sure of how many firms have died off. I know a few, but I, I mean, it's natural, especially, you know, I think for a long time, it hasn't, you know, the fact that we haven't, when it comes to technology and efficiency, grown that much, you know, people that weren't adopting could keep up, you know, okay if they were yeah. years behind. But I mean, now things are grow. I mean, to me, things are going to start to grow a lot faster. And those firms that do start to integrate Dynamo, um, start to integrate machine learning and all these different platforms and truly optimize their process, um, make it more efficient and effective, then um, I mean, they're just going to be a lot, you know, way further than some of those other firms. And, and at that point, I would imagine that, I mean, it's either adopt or your firm's going to die out. So, I mean, that's just, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah, but it also depends on the type of projects that you want to do. I mean, if it's more personal with a client, then I feel the natural discretion of the architect comes into uh, the picture more than yeah. the technology. Yeah. All right. Uh, great, Dalton. So I think we had a nice session for uh, very interesting to talk about the past, present and also the future. So thanks for coming on. Um, we'll quickly jump to the quickfire round. I'll ask you a couple of questions and then we'll wrap it up. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So uh, which book has inspired you the most? Um, I read books all the time. I'm a big um big book reader and then also I, I listen to a lot of audible but i would say factfulness is a really interesting book because it talks about um some of the things that we think we know about the world um and how you know a lot of the, a lot of times it's untrue what we you know what we think we know and i think that it's interesting perspective on like data and how to leverage data um and then um, extreme extreme ownership is a is a really cool book. Um, I think it's a really nice book for folks that are are working with teams. Um, it, it's just a, an awesome one. And I think he also has a, a another book that I haven't read yet. I would also want to mention that uh, the BIM handbook. Right. That book is is really cool. Um, there's there's so many different ones, but what I like about that one is it doesn't it talks about a lot of different things, but what's really interesting to me is the case studies. Cause I can, you know, cause I think if we're going to get better, we have to learn from, you know, all these different projects and, and how, what, what made them great. And what's cool about that book is it does have um, um, some great case studies and you can see the technologies they used on, on different projects. All right. And uh, what's on your playlist right now? Like music? Yeah, like our books. I oh, I, I, I on Audible, I have um, predictive analytics, which I I need to read, and then like twenty other books that are sitting there. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that's that's sitting there right now. So you're a guy who is like constantly learning, right? So, but uh, how do you like? I mean, there's I'm sure there would be like a burnout in between. So, like, how do you stress this or de stress? Oh, I. I do get uh, somewhat like a, a small burnout after a while because I'm like, all right, I need to take a break. This <laughs> is going because I have a, a son. Um, so, you know, he, he kind of, you know, he forces me to to because to I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't be 24 seven BIM. So I, um, you know, I, I try to structure my day a little bit more, um, quit at certain times. 
um, hang out with my son. We'll do different stuff and, and, and eventually we'll take a vacation. And cause, cause yeah, I mean, but I mean, I really love it. What, what you know, I, I, it's my passion. So it's somewhat not hard to learn all the time. Um, and that's part of like the role. I mean, I get unique questions almost every day where I have to Google something just to, to figure it <laughs> out. So, so yeah. All right. Um, I'm sure you traveled a lot. So like which city would you consider your favorite? Um, I actually haven't traveled uh, very much at all. Um, okay. I uh, um, have only gone to a few places and I would say St. Louis. I mean, I like it a lot because it's, it's, it's where I grew up. So, um, but St. Louis is, is my favorite. All right. Um, were there any mentors in your life who's had like a profound influence and uh, um yeah 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 i've had uh, uh um uh, a, a number of of mentors i was l- lucky that in st louis there's an awesome revit user group um oh, nice. and, and i started to attend it uh while i was in school and met uh uh bill carney and brian myers nice bill carney he works at um at uh, uh, uh dlr group with with me he's uh he's my boss nice. and then um brian yeah, i watched myers. a lot of uh, brian's videos on linkedin and oh yeah his, his are great yeah yeah, yeah. Awesome. um yeah it's it's awesome having him as a leader uh at dlr group because he can do you know he's he's smart i mean he knows he knows the in, ins and outs of 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 this world he knows the technology um and that's what's great is he's a leader that uh, you know knows the technology in some cases better than um um than than a lot of people so uh and then brian myers is really awesome i think he has a um a lot of linkedin videos as well um but he you know they both you know bill's pushed me a lot because he's um he works you know we've worked together um uh, and he's been a great mentor because I see what he can do. I'm like, oh man, I, you know, I hope I could do as much as he can, you know, one day. Um, and then Brian Myers, I, I haven't got to work with him directly, but he's an awesome, awesome guy. He, uh, he, uh, I think he works currently at Jacobs right? and, uh, he knows a ton of stuff. So I was able to get so much, so much advice from him. I would nice. send him, um, e- emails like all the time, uh, um, after, you know, when, when I got out of school and I was working at, um, uh, this, this sub consultant, I, um, um, or subcontractor, I would send him, you know, like, Hey, what is this? So I know how, you know, what is BIM or like, how, how do I, you know, get into BIM management or BIM coordination or anything. And I mean, he's helped me out so much. So those two guys, Bill Carney and Brian Myers. Yeah. And the surprising thing, I mean, I have this stereotype, you know, like where only the youngsters can get in the tech space and like do like crazy stuff. But uh, Brian Myers and all these other guys just blow, blow it away. Like, dude, even I can do it, man. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, it, it's funny because like every time I think I'm like, all right, I'm really, you know, I've got this. I'm, you know, I'm smart. I know, you know, um, I think I'm in a good spot. And then I watch some video of some like incredibly complex process. I'm like, Oh crap. I don't even know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to learn so much. And you know, that's this industry. There's just so much to learn and, and so many things. And I think that's what makes it uh, really interesting. And fun. Awesome. All right, Dalton. And uh, what is your a daily routine in your life look like? I mean, what was it before, you know, 
uh, the pandemic happened? Well, okay. So before the pandemic, it would be, you know, getting up, going to work. Um, well, before that, dropping my son off at school, um, going to work. And then um, I would get out. I mean, during the day, it's working on a variety of different projects, um, maybe doing some type of training or something. And then um, um, from there, uh, picking my son up and then we would go to the gym. Oh, nice. Um, and that was pretty much like, the only time I, I got out was I would go to the, like the office in the gym and now, you know, it's total lockdown, but um, you know, and after that, it's just have dinner and, 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 and then maybe if I have time, read a few things or get online and make a YouTube video or something um, and then go to bed. Nice. And how's your son coping uh, during the pandemic? I mean, it must be stressful for him, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anything, he's really bored. I mean, he's played all all the video games. You know, it. Uh, he's <laughs> so <laughs> he's getting quite bored. But I, we're pushing through it. Hopefully, it ends soon. So yeah, hopefully. All right. And uh, my last question to you is, uh, what future plans do you have? I mean, I, I'm guessing the national transition is a BIM manager. But apart from that, like 10 years from now. Yeah. Um, to tell you the truth, I don't know if the, you know, the transition I want is to go into BIM management. Um, uh, but, you know, in 10 years with my passion for data and machine learning, I'm hoping to migrate into a role where I'm leveraging you know, BIM in itself is data. I mean, there's just, I mean, you know, Revit essentially is a database. I mean, if we look at it, uh, um, so is practically anything else. Uh, but I, I want to be able to, I think, leverage data and, and, and really, you know, start to build tools and interfaces and, and different things where we can start to make better decisions with that data, truly understanding the, um, you know, complexities of information. Um, so I'm hoping to, to eventually get into a role. I don't know if that's five, 10 years off. Um, it's hard to, to say, but if anything, I mean, that's where my passions lie. So I see that um, kind of being the same in the future, but we'll see. Yeah. And, um, you know, personally for me, I would prefer working remotely, you know, any, anywhere from the planet on projects uh, anywhere. So do you feel that same scenario would fall for you as well, where you get to work in Europe and probably do a project, hopefully in India as well. Yeah, I'm um, a uh, uh, a single parent, so for me, uh, work, having the ability to work, work remotely would be would be pretty awesome because, um, uh, because yeah, I mean, I could go anywhere if I wanted to, and then. Um, you know, and that's partly why I got into this field was having the ability to work from home from time to time. And I think after this, you know, a lot of folks are going to see the benefit of doing doing that. I'm sure there's a lot of people that it, it hasn't changed their mind. But for me, you know, because even I, I was kind of, you know, I, I didn't know if I would be as effective or efficient working from home. But I would say I'm, I'm just, if anything, I, I'm more efficient you know i don't have to drive i don't have to do a lot of that random stuff. i mean part of it's because everything's shut down but um you know i don't have to go to an office you know my, my i have a setup here um and and it uh, it works out really well so we'll see hopefully um hopefully we, you know we'll see more um remote working 
adoption. And what's cool with that is anybody can like, so if you're from Florida and there's a really cool um, opportunity in California or India or um, Africa, uh, and it's doing something that you truly like, if, if your firm allow, you know, if the firm itself is, allows remote working, they can hire, they have no limitation on who they can hire because yeah. they can hire anybody. They could do, you know, they could, um, if they needed a data science specialist, they wouldn't need somebody in a specific location. They could just hire the best, you know, that they yeah. could um, from California, even if they had no offices there um, because of remote working. So, Yeah. And we'll I feel see. like gig economy, the gig economy where, you know, you get people on contract, uh, the best of the best, get stuff done, move on. I think that would be more of the future, I guess. Yeah, definitely for conch or like from some of those short goals or some contracts we you know i like to see where we migrate um when it comes to like data science and stuff like that we may you know use you know um uh folks like that or we may hire try to hire folks full time for those positions um i mean i am interested to see kind of how that folds out um i know we're trying to hire a full time data scientist um but I would imagine with the tools and everything else, things start to become more streamlined where we don't necessarily have to hire folks like that full time. It could be small contracts here and there um, to build, you know, specific platforms, things like you know, just different things. All right. All right, Dalton. Um, I mean, you're a fun guy to talk to. and I want to keep asking questions, but we need to wrap it up. Thanks for yeah. coming to the podcast and uh, giving your time and a lot of value as well. I hope to have you in the future, maybe get into the nitty gritties of things and hopefully even I would be up speed with uh, machine learning, hopefully. Let's see. Yeah, it was, um, it was a pleasure. Um, it was a, definitely a fun conversation. I love talking about this stuff. So um, I'm really glad um, to be on here. All right. And what's the best way our listeners could get in touch with you in case they want to reach out? LinkedIn. LinkedIn would probably be the best. Just, you know, send me a request. Um, I accept practically anybody um, um, and just send me, you know, you can send me any message you want. So, All right. All right, guys. So you'll find all the show notes, uh, how to get in touch with Dalton. Also do check out his YouTube channel, the BIM coordinator. There's a lot to learn from that channel. Um, I mean, he provides a lot of value, but he doesn't market it as much. Uh, but I'm sure in the future as well, like uh, BIM coordinator would grow pretty big. You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review.